0: Football on off the ball With Sky All the football you love in one place Across Sky Sports BT Sport and Premier Sports This is News Talk
1: The of these Newcastle players is absolutely ferocious The kind of physicality which they bring to the game Their energy levels are phenomenal it's ball Here it's Isak
0: Isak has a the fifth goal
1: Oh it's unbelievable Can you believe it it's a fifth goal for Newcastle United. The Magpies are flying. Tottenham are all over the place. This is absolutely incredible. 21 minutes on the clock. It's Newcastle United 5. Tottenham them for nil. There is no coming back from this. The again. inside. On again. <laughs> 5-0. Wow. I feel like dropping the mic.
0: I feel like dropping <laughs> the mic and just leaving the room and saying nothing. Wow. Wow, indeed. 5-0 after 21 minutes. Stephen Doyle and Kenny Cunningham as aghast as the rest of us yesterday on our live commentary game. Busy weekend. We have Manchester City against Manchester United in an FA Cup final to look forward to. And of course, City-Arsenal on Wednesday night, live here on Off The Ball, if you can't make it to a television screen. Quasi-title deciding game. Arsenal once again... Dropping points on Friday night. Very happy to say, Mr. Damien Delaney is with us. Long time no speak. He has broken off from his wedge practice and put <laughs> practice to uh, join us. I'm sorry to, to interrupt your usual uh, Monday regimen, but we appreciate it.
1: <laughs> Welcome back, as right. It's been a while, Joe. You know, I thought you lost my phone number there. You know, even send you up messages for games of golf and nothing.
0: blanks Sorry. Um,
1: so it's <laughs> no, I understand, man. It's all good.
0: Um, yeah, what a weekend. Where do we start? Oh, we start with Newcastle 6, Spurs 1, I think. Spurs' worst defeat in 10 years, since 2013. Have you ever been 3-0 down after nine minutes?
1: Um, no, never after nine. Probably conceded three in nine minutes, all right, but not at the start of the game. Um, whew, I mean, that, that that's just a football club that was trying to get to the end of the season and make a decision. And unfortunately, the... Um, the players have just thrown a hole in. Um, obviously, the the new manager or the the, the guy that's in charge in the of Commerce has not had the desired effect. Um, players are just not responding to him. Um, and that is a capitulation that I don't think you're ever going to see again, like
0: 5-0 down in that space of time. Wow. Well, Kenny, we heard his commentary there, and he was referring to the ferocious uh, physicality of Newcastle. And they do have something really good going at the moment. And the stadium is very much aligned to that. It's You know, it was always going to be a tough game. So mm. to an extent, it's understandable that any side could no, have a bad no. day at St. James's. But, <laughs> no, no, but, 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 no, no. but, no, no, I'm with you. But <laughs> uh, Spurs are actually a disgrace, aren't they?
1: Yeah, like, I mean, it's just a team that's thrown the toll in. Um, you know, the new manager has come in. He's obviously very, very weak. There's no accountability. There's no drive. The players are obviously running the show, doing what they want. I could imagine that change room just being very, very sombre every day coming in. No motivation. Um, Timekeeping is probably poor. Players not showing up for gym sessions. Just an absolute capitulation. And the new guy has. I mean, we always talk about it. You know, was this new guy come in, and, and the players genuinely know he's not going to be there for the long term. You know, we spoke about it before about with Chelsea. You know, will the players to in? Um Not to that extent, but this guy obviously carries no weight in the changing room. Um, Probably just been really nice to the players, told them everything they wanted to hear. Don't worry about it. I'm going to get you in a good place mentally. Um, And that's what you get when that happens. I mean, that is an absolute capitulation of biblical proportions. Yeah.
0: Christian Stellini is who you're talking about, Conte's right-hand man, who they've inexplicably, I think, just left behind. And in the main, up until yesterday he had very much stuck with Conte's approach, Conte's mm. formation. So yesterday we saw a change of formation. In effect, he took two wingers who had been playing as wing backs and made them two orthodox full backs and yeah. uh, the two boys who, uh, you wouldn't say the sharpest uh, of centre backs uh, between them. That was a bold enough move away to Newcastle given the importance of the game. Why do you think Stellini looked at the situation and said, well, now is the time to switch? Um Well, because probably he, you know,
1: when you sack a manager, you're looking for change, you're looking for uh, a fresh impetus, a fresh voice, uh, new ideas, something to stimulate the players' minds, for the players to come into training and go, oh, that's new, that's different, Um, because Conte got sacked, well, probably because of his rant after the the, the Southampton game, was it? but you're looking for a fresh voice something different because the players have obviously switched off and players have probably tried uh, the managers obviously tried it and it has not worked at all i mean it's an absolute catastrophe for him he changed formation now i'd be the first one to to, to pick away at formations and i'd be the first one to to say like you know they got this wrong there is no formation in the world acceptable for conceding that many goals that was a complete another attitude um issue that has nothing to do with the formations unless you played two at the back um, or unless you play something wild that is purely 100% down to attitude Um, the managers obviously made the changes the players probably didn't get any kind of buzz from it didn't think that they were going to get any energy out of it and look what happened Um, but as I said that's just purely energy purely energy
0: there's something very funny about that Spurs dressing room and there has been Mm -hmm. for a while now like I don't know where he watched the game but Antonio Conte was watching with a cigar out and yeah. he was saying I told you I I I I told you there is just something rotten here and mm. yet I would look at Harry Kane and I would look at Son and to be fair Lloris he's not a, you know he's he's had a dip in the last number of years but he's France's record appearance holder he's had a great career the senior pros in that dressing room I would look at them and I would think they seem like head screwed on dedicated types and yet mm. there must be something missing there for them to allow this culture to flourish and, and not nip it in the bud
1: i i think that that everybody's got a limit everybody's got like a, a, a limit of what they can take and those players you just mentioned there have been at tottenham a long time and they've probably rallied the troops several times you know there's a clear issue off the pitch you could say conte was at home with a cigar saying i told you so but he could have told you so before he went in there because he's not the first manager to go in there and try and change the culture of Tottenham. Um, there doesn't seem to be any desire. Now, in any business, you know, the culture ultimately comes from the top. If the owner is running his business in a certain type of way, and I know they have that big stadium now and they have to pay it down. Remember when Arsenal first moved into the Emirates, transfer funds were kind of taken down a little bit. They didn't spend as much and they suffered on the pitch. I think Tottenham are kind of going down that road as well for the next few years. All those players you've mentioned, Lloris, Kane, Son, um, dire they've just been on the road a long time and they've had to deal with this type of situation before okay. a manager coming in looking for you know a change doesn't come the ownership doesn't demand it the ownership doesn't give him the money that he's looking for to make the changes and culture is driven by, by firstly the owners but play, culture on the pitch is driven by the players and the players personalities and what the players are capable of giving you and um unfortunately tottenham just haven't got enough um of the right types in their squad
0: that's an interesting theory so I can imagine new manager coming in and giving the usual speech to the team and talking about mm-hmm. how we're going to start working really hard. We're going to become the fittest team in the league, blah, blah, blah. A glazed yeah. look coming over Harry Kane's tired eyes.
1: Yeah,
0: I've heard this before, that type of thing. Like, and it goes,
1: you're not the first guy to come in here and say that, you know, we've all heard it before. We've all had a go at this. So look. Um, There just seems to be a big change at Tottenham I I don't know if Is the sale of the club still um, being mooted? Is there a possibility? Um, But that just looks like a club that needs to be sold as well um, And somebody to come in with some fresh impetus And sign some proper players To change the culture in that squad
0: Yeah, currently It's a real pinch point at the moment They've no manager of their men's team They have no manager of their women's team and their director of football, Fabio Paratici, has just resigned because he lost his appeal against a worldwide ban in the aftermath of that Juve false accounting controversy. So he's banned for 30 months. So there's nobody really steering the ship aside from Daniel Levy, who really couldn't be less popular. They did have a good thing going under Pochettino. I mean, it did look like the direction of travel was good there. So he's been gone since November 2019. Mourinho's had a stab. Conte's had a stab. Uh, you forget about uh, Nuno having a stab. I don't know who's likely to come in there next and fix things. I've seen Brendan Rodgers, for instance, being uh, linked to the job. Can you imagine any manager who's out there that would actually put a bit of juice back into Harry Kane? I, I keep talking about Kane. He's into his last year of his contract, by the way, starting next season. That's another issue to be dealt with
1: there will always be a manager, absolutely, and even top managers will take that Spurs job. When you look at the, the the size of the club that it is, the training ground, the the stadium, they'll always be a manager, an optimist who thinks I can be the one that comes in there and does it. Yeah. Um, Daniel Levy runs that club um, with a tight uh, authority. I'd say that managers will go, even Patricio will go to the owner and say, here's a list of players that we want, um, you know, one, two, three, and then they get, you know, Five, six, seven. They, yeah. they only, I don't think they ever get the ones that they want because Spurs are saying, well, we can spend 60 million on this guy or we could spend 40 on this guy. We don't see much of a difference. We're going to go with 41. Um, uh, Harry Kane scores goals, absolutely brilliant, but I think it's time he moved on as well. But, but where does he go now um, at his age? Who's going to take him in? Um, obviously, there'll always be somebody to take Harry Kane, but has he missed the boat for a top, 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 top team? Like, would, 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 uh, would Liverpool take him? I know they have Darwin Nunes. I know City won't take him, up no, because they have Haaland. Does he go abroad? Bayern Munich are crying out for number nine at the moment. Um, Harry Kane is an interesting one, now because a lot of teams, you know, will be looking at him and thinking, how much do you want? He's in his last year of his contract. Big wages. Um, that'll be an interesting one to see how it plays out over the summer.
0: Yeah, he's 30 in July. Now, mm. 10 years ago, we would have said, yeah, the end is in sight. I would have thought what we're seeing over the last number of years for particularly elite strikers is Kane should have a really good six years in him still.
1: Um, I think so. He's had a lot of injuries. Um, he's played a lot of miles a lot of miles in the clock, played a lot of football. Um you're not as sure then? Well look, all I'm saying is that like if you got him for you know in the last year of his contract, Spurs I mean Daniel Levy's notorious for just grinding players down and letting them go on a free. So one more year of of of, of Harry Kane being stuck in that rut He's 31 then when he comes out of it on a free transfer. Absolutely, some will take him then. But can he do another year of that Tottenham uh, changing room? Can he do another year of that? I don't think so. If Spurs do decide to sell him, Daniel Levy is still going to want top money for him. There's no way that Daniel Levy is going to do Harry Kane any favours, irrespective of what he's done for the football club. There's no way that he's going to say to him, look, Harry, you've been a great servant. We're sorry we failed you. Um, But, you know, you can go for 20 million quid and, you know, you've got a host of suitors to take you. I don't think that's happening. Um, I think that he's still going to look for like 60, 70 million quid from even in his last year yeah. um, and hope that someone like a Bayern Munich or a Manchester United would pay it. Um, so that's how we see that playing out.
0: OK, uh, do us a favour there. Your collar is hitting off your microphone on your lead. So just uh, zip it down. There we go. Get the underarm gear out as well. Beautiful, <laughs> beautiful straight from the range (laughs) I I have no doubt I have no doubt (laughs) I was rushing
1: home to beat the traffic to make this (laughs) Uh, yeah
0: yeah, that's Damien Delaney's commute by the way on a Monday everyone to beat the traffic uh, coming from the driving range and and just uh, one last one did you get a feeling around Spurs even when you were a player that there was some soft underbelly that was somehow inseparable from their DNA like I I never know how much to read into a team being Spursy
1: no, not, not not the teams that I played against um, at White Hart Lane those last few years with the likes of Dembele in the middle of the park. Um, and um, what was a Kenyan player's name? Um, came from Southampton. Oh, my God, his name's just popped into his head. Wanyama, there you go. Uh, it used to be Dembele and Wanyama in the in the middle of, in the middle of field, and then you always had like Harry Kane at the top end of the pitch, Ericsson floating round. Deli Ali was in his pomp. Kyle Walker, Danny Rose, Fritungin, and um, Aldo Weireld. I mean, these are players that were in their pomp, and there was never a sense that you would get anything free from those guys. Perhaps previously, um, I know you always hear a lot of ex players talk about Spurs being Spursy, yeah. but not that. Three or four year window where he really had it, but the problem was they needed to evolve the squad um, and they needed to give Pochettino the backs. And unfortunately, what you're seeing now is the fact that they didn't um, stay on top of it, hence the reason Pochettino's gone. They've kind of chose a cheaper option or just tried to half ass it, and that's where you find themselves now. And now you've what, what did you say, 2019 he left? That's two, three, four years of just um, doing a half measure, um, and that's what you're left with now with Tottenham and no manager, Harry Kane's. Pushing on an age, Larice is pushing on, probably not the player that he was. Son doesn't look the player that he was. Dyer clearly has fallen off the side of a, a cliff. You know, it's not the first time that he played poorly. Um, so, look, in terms of manager that come in there, geez, throw some names at me there, Joe, who's floating around? Would they throw
0: 20 million or 15 million a year at Nagelsman?
1: I don't think Nagelsman would take it, to be honest with you. I think that he... Um, the thing about managers, they'll always speak. The first thing Lagos is going to do is phone Conte. The first thing Conte do would phone uh, um, Mourinho, you know, because they just want to say, "Hey, what's going on? What, what are the ins and outs of this club?" And they obviously tell them, "Look, there's an issue. Um, there's a disconnect between management level and ownership level. We ask for certain things, we don't get them. Sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. Um, and winning isn't the, the main priority of that football club. You know, getting the brand new shiny stadium out is the priority. Getting the brand new training ground out was a priority." and unfortunately that's where your money's tied up now for the
0: next number of years okay Uh, I think a lot of us anticipated the Newcastle situation would become a farce for a few years they'd have all the growing pains that go with big takeover money being thrown around harsh lessons being learned and somehow they seem to have circumvented all of those usual issues and here they are in third place at the moment United do have a Man United do have a game in hand level on points with Newcastle but Newcastle currently in third and Kenny referred in the commentary clip there to their athleticism which he called ferocious like they do really come at you in waves Eddie Howe has done a bloody good job like I, I refuse to hear he hasn't
1: he has done a good job. There's, there's no doubt about that because he would have been under pressure immediately. When the, when the owners of that football club bought it, there was an immediate pressure to win games of football. And I remember re- remarking one night in one of the games I did, I said he's probably the most under-pressure manager his first five or six games. If it doesn't go well, um, I, I think they would have moved on from him very, very quickly because um, they have the type of finances now to do that. But why would they? He's doing a superb job. And I think the the key reason for that is they stayed away from the, the superstar um, think Manchester City when they were first bought out by big money, they signed Rubinho um, a circus rolled into town and the easiest thing for a Newcastle to do would have been that but they had the core nucleus of a half decent squad and they've just added nicely to it, Isaac, what a great little signing that is you know. Um, as, as well as already ever having Wilson, two superb number nines um, and if there was ever a city that can create a wave of optimism, fans that will buy in to what's going on, it's in Newcastle fans, I know that Nearly everybody has been to St James's Park um, and witnessed a game, um, or at at the very least, been to Newcastle for a Stag do at some point, and they know what the type of um, energetic (laughs) fans uh, and people that Newcastle are. uh, And that club has been starved of success for such a long time, um, and you could not underestimate the wave of optimism that the belief in that city at the moment. I think I don't think there's any other city like it um, in the UK. If we're going to football matches, they are the most passionate loudest, difficult um, fans. They travel and they love their team. Yes, they they can mourn with the best of them, um, but why would they know when you look at where they are in the league? It's incredible.
0: And would you subscribe to the notion, I don't know how true it is or not, that Eddie Howe almost um, uh, took into account a kind of feverish atmosphere in that stadium and said, the type of football we should play Mm. should mirror that. They should feed into one another or, or no that's not how a manager would, would even think about things
1: i, I don't think that it, either either like eddie howe did it first or the fans did it first i just think it happened organically i think the fans just bought into it and the players just all of a sudden were like oh my god we're we're signing players and it was just something really organic and that's why it's so good yeah. you can try and force that and try and, you know put on promotions for fans and kind of force situations like that but i just think that it was a perfect marriage
0: at the right time, and they already had the nucleus of a good mm. squad. They really I, did. I almost mean the style of play. Like it's high pressing, it's high energy, it's it's but, hard but, running. It's it's not slow, pedantic, patient football.
1: But you couldn't, you couldn't. I think the players will feed off the crowd, and the crowd will feed off the players. That relationship that you're talking about. I understood what you were saying. Yeah. I think it just happened organically. I think the players were just like, oh my god, showing up to the stadium and queuing. I'd say in your car to get into St James's Park as a player, um, or by bus, or you know, you could imagine that it was the type of situation where the players had to be there. Really Really, really early before kickoff because there was a, a festival atmosphere outside the ground you could imagine that the players can't get away from the stadium after the game because mm. it's 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 so hectic you could imagine the nights out in, in Newcastle on Saturday after a game I think that was just something that happened organically the the, the the manager would have been aware of it absolutely but the fans as well would have been like just absolutely
0: driving that and I think it just happened um, organically as I yeah. said It's a few times now you've referenced either stag do's or nights out in Newcastle so <laughs> You got some stories you want to tell us? <laughs>
1: no, absolutely not. Um but I know that every listener has at least been to one stag do in uh, in Newcastle oh. and they can tell you what a vociferous, lively Joe is that the the saying we should use, yeah. a lively bunch of people from Newcastle are um and you could imagine them with a, a bit of success in a, in a stadium that's already made for it, um, a city that's already um, primed for for what happened to happen. It was mm.
0: it was beautiful. I would imagine there are people listening shuddering right now you're bringing back dark memories for them we're going to take a short break I do want to talk to you about the rest of the weekend Damien Delaney is staying with us our football coverage here on Off the Ball is with thanks to Sky you can watch Premier League Women's Super League EFL Scottish Premiership and much more live in Sky Sports back with Damien in just one moment Football on Off the Ball with Sky proud partner and supporter of the Republic of Ireland women's national football team This
1: is news talk. Arsenal legends Paul Merson, John O'Shea, and Wes Brown are coming to Dublin. It's an exclusive off-air event, so if you want to be there, get onto offtheball.com forward slash events. Just Eat, the official food delivery partner of the UEFA Champions League.
0: Football on Off The Ball With Sky All the football you love in one place Across Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports This is News Talk You're very welcome back on this Monday evening Damien Delaney I'm happy to say is with us So we have a Manchester City-Manchester United FA Cup Final United will get their chance to hold the treble Which increasingly feels almost more likely than not, I think, in many people's eyes. As for the penalty shootout, there were 12 really good penalties and then Solly Marsh uh, stepped up with number 13, Damien and blazed it over and the tears came and that awful thing when you're walking back and usually as a footballer, you make a mistake in a game, you have some opportunity to put Mm. it right, but it's like the realisation oh, it's over, it's done. Oh my God. And then I was, before I felt too sorry for him, a load of people on Twitter put up from December, their exit in the League Cup at the hands of Charlton Solly Marsh hits exactly the same penalty, blazes it over the bar in exactly the same way, and I thought, well, once being a bit unfortunate, Solly twice is a touch careless. So I don't
1: know. <laughs> I think you've been a little unfair there. I don't think there's a single player in that Brighton changing room will will hold him accountable.
0: Um, would you, take, if, if if a player no. blazed one over the exact same way in December and then blazed one over the exact same way in April, would you not have said, no. Solly, mate, just think about going low there? No,
1: no, 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 no. You could. You're a liar. Man no I wouldn't you'd have have him against the
0: wall I know you
1: I I wouldn't no chance taking a penalty is hard like I you know I've been involved in some games and I'm thinking it's getting round to me you know 8 or 9 and I was like I just don't want to take a penalty it's just not for me Um, I would congratulate him and say fair play to you for having the courage to step up again it happens you know I mean there's nobody would have have him against the wall, or nobody would in any way hold him responsible. In fact, quite the opposite. Everybody would just be saying, "Unlucky." You move on. and It happens. You know, um, they had enough chances. That Matoma chance at the end. You know, where he absolutely milled David de Gea. Afterwards, was just a slight heavy touch. You know, that beautiful one-touch football. And he just dragged it too far into here, got it. I mean, just a deft touch there, and they win it. So there was plenty of opportunities for, for for Brighton to 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 win that game in normal time. And penalties are penalties; it is what it is. Yeah. You just you just move on. And I'm pretty sure that in two years' time, if there is another penalty shootout, Sully Marsh will step up and plays um, it over the bar again, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: would you class Brighton as a better coach team than Manchester United?
1: um yeah they're certainly easier on the eye absolutely um they have a great structure there um you know they've kind of gone down the road of southampton more four or five years ago where they're just signed players to slot into the system and they'll always be thinking you know if he goes or he goes who do we have come in they're usually under the radar not costing very much and they slide in and the same with managers I don't think Brighton will be panicked at all if Deservey moves on um, at the end of the season. They'll be drawing up a short list of managers who have the playing style that De Zerbe has and they won't miss a beat. Um, the problem with that is, is, is still finding the players that I'm talking about there, those players, because a couple of missteps and all of a sudden you know, results drop and, and, and um, the energy kind of saps out of the team. But I'm pretty
0: sure they have a good scouting system and they should just enjoy it now while they're moving forward. For Manchester United it's a chance to stop City winning the treble. That's a major carrot and win another trophy. They're just a curious team at the moment. They have absolutely improved under Ten Hag. There's no doubt they've improved. And yet they throw in performances like Anfield a number of weeks ago. And then uh, Seville on Thursday. That was abject.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think they're a fragile team. Um, They're a team as well that have suffered from their, from their recruitment over a number of years. Um, Similar to Spurs, not as bad as what Spurs are at all. Um, but look, they're moving in the right direction. And the one thing you can say is, I agree with you, they have got the right man now. Um, and if they can sort issues out, the hardest thing is finding a manager just at Spurs. They have a guy who knows what he's doing, you know, even just listening to him. You know, you get a feel for managers manager just listening to him before and after games, pre-match press conferences, that he knows what he's talking about. He is the real deal. I know that. Um and he's probably doing the best he can with what he has. You cannot legislate for the things that happened against uh, Sevilla. You know Harry Maguire doing what he does, David de Gea doing what he does, um, the wheels coming off um, against Liverpool. All those instances you talk about, but they're moving in the right direction, definitely. I'm very, very slow to use the word progress, but that progress will come to a shuddering halt now, until unless they get some. Serious players in the building um, and a serious squad because I think they have some good players. They probably have a good start in 11. If you looked at Man United starting 11 now, you'd, you'd fancy it. Yeah. You think that it could do a, a starting 11 could do a job against City in the Cup final, um, but take one or two out and it's over. Yeah. Uh, and unfortunately,
0: they've lost three or four. Did you catch any of the Arsenal game on Friday? I didn't know. No. Did you see the goal, the first goal where Ramsdale passed it out to? Uh, Yes. Okay. great. Well, then, by by way of segue into Arsenal City on Wednesday, you mentioned the Maguire-De Gea mix-up. And look, a lot of that for me is on Harry Maguire. I mean, he he called for it and he dealt with it horribly. But I would also accept De Gea should have read the situation and just not given it to him. And Mm -hmm. then equally in Ramsdale, just to pass it into danger under those circumstances mm. was a needless risk. We're, we're kind of at an interesting juncture with these goalkeepers where they're all infinitely better footballers with the ball at their feet than uh, the generation of goalkeepers you would have mm. uh, grown up with and played with. However, almost that reading of the play is still like at a six or six, maybe five out of ten level. They can execute a pass, but they're, they're almost not reading situations well enough.
1: But like so how do you decide what's a good situation or not you got to remember from David Hayes David Hayes point of view as that ball comes back to him from Harry Maguire he's getting it out of his feet he's got no feel for how quickly Sevilla are are, are closing that triangle that they create around Harry Maguire and as a as a, a goalkeeper you're told by your manager right that ball's got to go in right so if he shells that off the front it in after the game or a half time sorry and uh, he'll get pulled up on that and say listen that's got to go in there. We're hitting the ball into a 50 50 situation. I agree with you that, like, you know, you just can't complain when it goes wrong. Um, David De Gea, if Harry Maguire didn't call for it, I'd say you've more of a point. Um, but Harry Maguire looked and put his hand out and asked for it. If you ask for the ball as a player and you get it, you have no get out of jail card it is 100% on you um, especially when the manager is encouraging now if, if David De Gea is playing for Sam Allardyce and he does that even if Harry Maguire calls for it Sam Allardyce is coming in afterwards and saying I don't care if he calls for it that is not a, a, a pass that I'm happy with that's not a pass that I'm, I'm going to tolerate and David De Gea gets the blame but Ten Hag wants it um, and Harry Maguire looked for it he got it it's 100% on Harry Maguire um, he should if, you're, if you ask for a ball like that, you have to have a plan. You've had a look. You know you're aware of what's around you. You can't panic. And if you do panic, you can't just do what you did. Like a couple of times there in my career, sometimes I'd get a ball in a tight situation like that. And there's nothing wrong with going aerially up over the player that ended up intercepting it. So yeah. if you panic at the last second and you think to yourself, oh, my God, this pressure is way more intense than what I thought it was. Sevilla have closed that gap. And, all, and by the way, all you're going to see there is, I think they were wearing red socks on the night. All you're going to see there is sets of red socks converging on you and you will get tunnel vision because the first thing you're trying to do is I've got to control this ball. I've got to kill it stone dead. I can't be looking around and controlling this one with my eye off the ball because as this rolls off my foot, they're definitely going to get it. So you have to focus on on the ball. And then you see the red socks converging on you. As soon as you see those red socks and you feel that type of pressure, there's nothing wrong with just going aerially and going out for a throw-in and then putting your hand in the air. I mean, yes, you'll probably get ridiculed afterwards on social media. But I tell you what, it's a hell of a lot better than what happened to him.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, even for him to call for it, though, there should be like a self-awareness. I'm not in a confident enough space to be asking for that. Yeah. ball. Like There was a degree of like, I'm going to fake it till I make it. Look at me asking for the ball. Yeah. But you yeah. know, just not comfortable in that situation. Even, even not, at the best of times, not comfortable.
1: I would not have even been facing David De Gea. I would have been on the half turn mm-hmm. facing up the pitch and just basically my body language is saying to him, I want nothing to do with that. And that's why I probably didn't play for Manchester United. Yes, yeah, yeah. Your goalkeeper
0: never saw your face;
1: <laughs> he saw my body language.
0: <laughs> uh, Arsenal, then, so uh, bad mistake for the first. Gabriel uh, not brilliant with Walcott in behind him for the second. Concede the third from a corner. They rescue a point again. In that uh, once has been unfortunate, twice careless. Now they're starting to drop points a little too often. Uh, if they if they frame it well enough. They, they can obviously get massively up for this game against City. It is still league deciding in many ways. Everything about Manchester City now, though, just looks in a sweet spot. And everything yeah. about Arsenal is creaking. Yeah, absolutely.
1: But it can turn, Joe, it can turn on, on, on a moment of good fortune. You know, you and me talk about golf often enough. It's like if you have a four-shot lead coming down the stretch of the major and you make a couple of bogeys and all of a sudden the guy makes a birdie and four becomes one very quickly. All of a sudden you're just looking to, you know, settle things down, even a draw... Um, on Wednesday you night, know, you live with and you say, look, we'll get through the spot. They're not in a good spot at the moment, but they're not losing games. Um, yes, the caliber of teams are playing, they should be blowing away, but they're in a difficult spot. You know, we've been saying it from the from the the get-go that the Arsenal team took off at a, a, a sprinting pace. There was no way they were going to maintain it. They're having a little bit of a lull at the moment. Um, and there's no reason why Arteta can't. This is why you want to know why managers get managers get paid 12-15 million pounds. It's for situations like this. You know, this is what he, he where he will earn his corn you now to settle the players down, say the right things to them, touch their soul almost, elicit a response from them, um, elicit a, a, a reaction, um, and just get out there with a draw and then put it back into Man City. Man City still have to win their two games in hand. They've got a big Champions League uh, coming up. I wouldn't be surprised if they dropped a couple of points um, up the road. It's probably going to go to the wire. Um, it would be a shame for Arsenal, and I and I mean a shame because they've been so good. If they just capitulated and ended up finishing third or, or, or fourth, even you know. Um,
0: yeah, there's a f- there are a few things conspiring. They're certainly feeling the pressure to an extent yeah. that's normal, and their squad is wearing a touch thin in that they're missing Saliba a lot. And then someone like Saka, I hadn't realised until recently, he's played every single Premier League game. Since about May of twenty one, mm. so he started mm. close to eighty Premier League games in a row. You throw in thirteen England matches as well. He's still playing very well, but he just can't be as fresh. All of these incremental yeah. things add up.
1: Yeah, and they haven't got the same squad that Manchester City have. You look at what Manchester City did during the week, um, and then on the weekend against um, against uh, in the cup semi final, and um, what they did. Um, you know they could just rotate in three, four, five players and keep that freshness. But should sure Arsenal have that luxury? Um, but look, Arsenal are untried, untested. Regardless of what you're saying, I know there was a big discussion a couple of weeks ago about, you know, if Arsenal blow it, no, would it be seen as a failure? And it probably will be labelled a failure. But by the same token, nobody ever expected Arsenal on the 20, what are we now, 24th of April, you know, to be five points clear of City, um, even though City have two games in hand and they're playing them. If any Arsenal fan would have been told that, they'd absolutely bite your hand off. Um, you know, City are one of the greatest Premier League teams that's ever been assembled they're an absolute juggernaut they got off to a slow start but they're fighting on three fronts still um, and they have a squad to deal with it and they're just running them down you know it's the equivalent of a, a rookie getting run down by a seasoned professional you know this Arsenal team will learn from it I know there's a lot of people out there saying no they're a bottle job and that's what people are going to call them and that's fine man and you can say that if you want And you might have a point, but I still think this Arsenal team have been brilliant to show the courage that they've shown to get to this point in the season. When you look at where the likes in Liverpool are, when you look at where Chelsea are, when you look at the issues that Manchester United are going through at the moment, this Arsenal team are a joy to watch. They're bright, they're bubbly, um, they have a, a vibrant manager. Um, and they're going to take it to the wire. I hope they do anyway. Even if they get pipped the last couple of games, I just hope they take it to the wire. They'll be back in the Champions League next year. Mm. The stadium will be paid off. They're not suffering the same issues we spoke about with Spurs at the top of the show. Hopefully, some money will be given to Arteta, and um, you know, people will make the argument that Liverpool won't be as bad as what they are again. Chelsea won't be as bad as what well. This is the only opportunity they're ever going to get. Well, I doubt it, man. I think once they get into the top four now and those other two don't make the top four, I think that the other two have got an awful lot more to do than what, um, than what
0: Arsenal have two last points. Uh, who'd have thought in 2023 as a pundit you'd still be able to cash in on Roy Hodgson stories. He's as relevant as ever. Oh my god. Yeah. What um, a man. What a man. So I'll come to him in a second. What what was your sense of Vieira and the decision to remove him first of all? Was that the right one?
1: I think it was. You can't um you, you can't get away from it. You know, I think the, the three of the last four games that he's in charge for they failed to have an effort on goal. And anybody that watched Crystal Palace games, and I do watch them, they were flat, they were lethargic, they looked like a team devoid of ideas. There were some really, really good players that were sitting on the bench, um, dropped out of form. He seemed to have a habit of picking the same players. It looked like they were only going one way. I think they failed to have a win in 2023. Um, And I think the owner would have looked at it, and I know Steve Parrish, and I know that it would have been an awful decision for him to have to make, but he has to look at it and say, am I seeing any signs of life? Because people are saying that he's had a real tough run of fixtures. He's got a good run coming up. Roy Hodgson's had an easier run of fixtures. Um, you know, the season's a season. Um, and you can play against top teams, put in a performance. You might not necessarily always win, but a lot of the performances were just a little bit... I mean, what's the word I use here? Would have been too disrespectful. Just a little bit flat, really. That's probably the nicest word I could use. Um <laughs> Um, and they never looked like they were going to get a win and I think the owner would have looked at that and said look where's the win coming from I just can't see it so I need to make a decision here and hopefully this guy will come in uh, it was a huge risk um, but Steve is an incredibly smart guy um, really really good instincts um, really good um, football man and he made the decision and he's since been proven right and I'm delighted for I
0: I'm right in saying as well as obviously being um, just a very experienced capable set of managerial hands Hodgson, in your experience, was also a pretty good person as well. Your final season, yeah. he was good to you. Spoke to you uh, yeah. as a human being, and you weren't necessarily someone he needed to curry favour with for next yeah. season. Obviously,
1: yeah, that, that's what he does. You know, I spoke there, about you know, Arteta, you know, touching the souls of players and eliciting a response, and that's exactly what Roy would do. Um, you would never sit down, like even you know, Joe. If you sat down with Roy Hodgson for ten minutes, you would leave the conversation just feeling a little bit better. Even though you go back over the conversation and you probably have no reason or he said nothing, but he just listens to you and he'll look you in the eye and he'll take you on board and if he disagrees with you, he'll disagree with you, but then he'll tell you why he disagrees with you and he'll explain it in a way that you will actually walk away from the conversation and go, okay, I, I, I don't agree with you, but I see your point of view and at least I was heard. And I think a lot of people, a lot of players feel like they're not being heard, the managers don't understand them, they're dismissed. Uh, managers are under enough pressure not paying them enough attention and I think that's one thing that Roy will do Um, he'll just make you feel involved if you're a U-team player and you're sitting in the canteen in the morning he will go over and have two or three words with you and he will know how your U-team game went on the weekend how you played how you had a good assist something along those lines um, and the same with the staff And that's what he would have done His first morning in Crystal Palace he Would have just went over And it wouldn't have been fake A lot of managers would go in there And fake that type of thing And, and I've had managers that have done that And you can see straight through it And you're like Jesus First sign in trouble This guy's going to capitulate But Roy didn't um, And that's probably his biggest trait And then from a footballer point of view He simplifies it You know He simplifies the game He simplifies everybody's role And confidence is, is gained from that
0: Very interesting uh, Last point Really interested in your thoughts on this Liverpool were 3-2 winners against Nottingham Forest. There's been so much talk about Trent Alexander-Arnold. Yeah. So, uh, two parts to this. The, the second part is I want to know if you think he could just be an outright midfielder and transform into an outright midfielder. But before that, say he keeps playing his current role. Kenny Cunningham was on yesterday. You heard him at the top. And he. we were chatting afterwards and he was saying he just doesn't like the role he's currently playing, the stepping into midfield for several reasons. He thinks it curtails how much anti-Robertson can get forward, that Robertson almost needs to stay back when Trent's doing that. Uh, secondly, you actually miss Alexander-Arnold on the right-hand side. There's times he's passing it out to Jordan Henderson out there and you'd prefer if it was going out to Alexander-Arnold. And he, he basically says you're negating the two defining weapons of Liverpool at their best you yeah. know Robertson and Alexander-Arnold so yeah so does
1: like well first of all we probably need a whole other hour or to delve into this because there's so many good points on it okay. um and the answer to both your question is no and no um I don't see it as a, a long-lasting thing they have issues in central midfield so solve those issues if you have problems at right back then go and get a new right back um to switch from from right back to central midfield um you would see an awful lot of centre midfield players switch to right back, and that is a possibility and it happens regularly. I know, I, off the top of my head, I can't think of a player that's ever switched from right back into centre midfield. La- is that...
0: Philip Lamb not the big example, Byron?
1: Okay, but I mean, do you realise the football IQ you would have to have to to, to learn a new position? Um, and on top of that, um, Philip Lamb played in, 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 in a variety of positions. You know, he is probably, I think Pep, I remember off the top of my head, said that he was one of the smartest football players he's ever played with. Um, but I supposed to bring it a little bit more more modern, um, Kyle Walker was performing that role for Manchester City, and Pep Guardiola said recently that Kyle Walker get, doesn't give him what John Stone's given. And I think the problem you have with that, just from a structural point of view, mm-hmm. is it's a long run from centre midfield to right back. It's probably about 15 yards further. John Stone's at the moment probably only has about you know 10, 12-yard run to go from defensive midfielder into centre back, yes. and kanji stays at right back. Much easier. So, yeah. Much easier, and I think that's just Pep seeing that that's happening. And then on top of that, John Stones is a natural um, right-back. So the problem when you play with inverted fullbacks is on the turnover. Yeah. If your um, right-back is in the centre midfield, teams will prepare for that. They'll leave players out on that other side and it'll become very, very messy and it'll get exploited. And Kyle Walker, even with all his pace, can't get back in. So that's it from a structural point of view and, from, and is, from is anybody. That, is, that,
0: is that why Robertson can't just gallop forward as easily? Because Kanade is almost on a pendulum swinging a bit more to cover for Alexander-Arnold when exactly. he's in yeah, midfield. In, they need in, three back, yeah. yeah.
1: You can't you can't play with two centre backs, so yeah. you're no limiting um your, your role of 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 Robertson. Um, but on top of that I don't think Trent is good enough um, to play in centre midfield, it's not a top game. So, like, the top games, the like of Leeds possibly, even Forrest the other day. We, we we covered the game on, 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 on T V there in Ireland. We clipped a few packages. Receiving the ball at right back with time and space, facing the play, is a hell of a lot different to receiving the ball in traffic in centre midfield. The awareness that you have to have—you think what happened to Harry Maguire when he panicked? There was a couple of instances where Trent received the ball and actually got nicked off him. Um, so even as a short-term um, inverted right back, reverting to a right back, I don't see it working. And even as a long-term, you know, people—I've heard the argument made um, might have been you, maybe or Nathan, maybe made it. Um, uh, someone made it anyway. That like, oh, he played centre midfield. I'm going, yeah, for the youth team. Oh no, like, I did. I didn't. I, like I, I think it's a big ask to. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah. Okay, I, I did just there. someone did. Anyway, I remember having this discussion with someone before. It might not have been you, so I take that back. Um, I don't know. I can't remember who it was, but like, it, it's it's huge. Playing centre midfield in the Premier League is like incredible. Like even to do it as a flat out centre midfield player, playing centre midfield for youth team, um, and playing centre midfield in the Premier League. I mean, it's it's different to playing. Um, ping pong and, and football I mean that's how far away that the, the gap is it's just huge when I mean, you've got seasoned professionals seasoned pros you know clever pros that'll you know look disinterested and chew up the ground and close you down will offer you passing lanes and that's what one of the top top center field players do you know if you have it as a, as a center back the amount of times that like they offer me up a passing lane I think to myself oh there's a passing lane there and I try to fire into it but he, he baited me into it and he just takes two steps to his left and he nicks it as soon as my head goes down You know, for him to be able to learn all those attributes um, as a centre midfield player is just too much. Um, He's a right-back. He's a marauding right-back with limited defensive capabilities. The reason he's been shown up is Liverpool aren't the same team as what they were. They don't hold the high line. They back up now to the six-yard box. And all those issues that Trent have are being exposed where he can't defend the back post. How many times in his pomp did he get caught in the back post once or twice a season, and we all went. Ah, oh, well, his good at ways, as bad. He's at twenty assists, or whatever it may be. it's just now he's getting pinned in there more regularly, and the more regularly he gets pinned in there, the more regularly he's going to get caught out. So, um, Trent is a marauding right back. Um, he's not a defensive minded right back. So, just replace Fabinho number one for me because I think he's done. Um, I think he's fallen off the side of a cliff. He's watching him running. No, he's he's labouring. Well, maybe a touch unfair to think that he's done. He might recover and um, maybe having an off season. I doubt it. Um, but he looks really in trouble every time I watch him now he's not covering the ground like he used to and when you think that when Liverpool were in their pump Trent was on the end line crossing the ball Fabinho would slide across into that pocket and slow down counter-attacks and then you had centre-backs that were more than capable of sliding across and snuffing it out and no one ever got out um, so you can't blame him for changing the style if you want uh, a defensive-minded right-back then you probably should have signed Aaron wan because he's the inverse of what Trent is you know an, an out-and-out right-back but people don't think he gives you enough moving forward but Trent is probably uh, Aaron, Aaron Wan-Bissaka is probably be the best defensive right back in, in world football at the moment
0: uh, we are out of time that was so good thank you so no much um, a pleasure yeah. to talk to you I know the schedule now is golf pilates dinner chipping practice and then read your Bob Rotella notes before bed
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to keep you from that <laughs> yes, well, you so much, uh, pleasure say again don't be a stranger yeah. I
0: know I know listen I will re-emerge very soon I'll re-emerge very soon thank Thanks. you so much see you Damon Delaney uh, with us in the line, Premier League player, Republic of Ireland international. Our football show coverage, as ever, brought to you by Sky Watch Premier League, Women's Super League, EFL, Scottish Premiership, and much more live on Sky Sports. Football on off the ball with Sky Watch every single live Premier League game this season on Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Premier Sports. This is News Talk.